0: Listening to the Solo Nerd podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with the showrunner and dungeon master of the Tales of Adventure, Agents of Boo, TTRPG podcast, Ashawn Jackson, aka Dabra Wombat. Welcome, Ashawn.
1: Hey. hey, everybody. Hey, nice to meet you, Gardner. It's nice to be here.
0: Well, thank you for reaching out. I appreciate you for coming on to the show today. But uh, I'll tell my introduction who is Ashawn Jackson in his own words? <sighs>
1: A multitude of different wonderful thing. No, I mean, I sure am just some random dude uh, who decided to do a podcast um, because he needed some sort of escape uh, from doing chemotherapy treatments, uh, I guess. Is, and, you know, slowly learning that, like, life is just going to be OK. So.
0: What is Agents of Boo or Agents of Boo TTRPG about?
1: So Agents of Boo, because uh, Boo is a um, uh, not a moniker, but shortened for acronym. the Bureau. Thank you. It's an acronym for Bureau of Occultic Observations, and essentially, Agents of Boo is a well, it's a live, it's an actual play TTRPG podcast, but instead of the traditional role of the players being adventurers. They are essentially secret agents for the Hand Bureau of Occultic Observations. And they kind of get sent on different missions. So, you know, they're almost kind of like a mix between like secret agents and monster hunters. Mm -hmm. Um, It kind of came about uh, me just kind of taking a, a bunch of random like nerd culture stuff together and how I can best describe it to people is that it's basically a mixture between Men in Black meets The Witcher, with a heavy dash of Hellboy thrown into the mix. Oh wow! Because mm, it has, really yeah. I mean, like it's it's been great, especially like the team that I have. Like everybody's super awesome. Um, you know, like for Men in Black is because they have like this really cool high tech magitech weaponry the witcher because they're like augmented you know secret agents and hellboy because you have a lot of those like folklore monsters thrown in Mm -hmm. um but ultimately it's a it's a great time we are currently through our uh we're going to be releasing a newish arc for season one uh starting next week um so that's going to be a lot of fun and we just have a lot more things planned for or as we kind of go along for season one. And hopefully we're get enough, get popular enough to do this for I think I have it planned out for five more seasons, but we'll have to see how far we get with that.
0: Uh-huh. Like I'm I'm kinda well, the game is on hiatus right now, but I mm. was in something similar to this um like earlier in the winter. Mm-hmm. And my character is like sort of uh, like a ranger type of character because mm. they kind of needed one of those. Um, Especially, uh, our team was like hunting, not hunting, but like investigating Fae activity Ooh. in a way. And my character, I, I just made like the most reckless and dumbest decisions. Like, I know you're not supposed to split the party and I know you're not supposed to be touching stuff and I know you're not supposed to. But I'm going to do it know,
1: anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know you're not supposed to talk to any. Faye like people or or accept anything from them mm-hmm. because you know
1: never give them just, your name
0: yeah but <laughs> i just thought it was like the funnest things and the thing is my reckless decisions moved the narrative forward because they wanted to like go into the library and and you know uh uh do research and this that, and the 3rd i'm like my character is not going to sit around and wait for this stuff to happen like intelligence is my dumpster so, yes, I, we we got yes. I, just, I just did the like the dumbest stuff, and, like I say, it just moves the story forward, which mm-hmm. um, our game master, um, who I've also played with before, really appreciates it's just like we're kind of stuck in a way we're stuck in a, and we're in the library, we need to go out and like mix and mingle with the people,
1: yeah, hey, you have to bad,
0: mm-hmm. but you know, I almost died like twice, but it was fun.
1: I mean, but you almost died. That mean that means you technically did. And so I say it's a win-win, right? Yeah. And that's always the that's always the thing. Like that's why I wanted uh, for Agents of Boo to have some points where, like, no, nah, like you all need to do some sort of investigation on like what you guys are going to be dealing with. Because like, yeah, I do tend to run combat a little bit deadlier. Uh, but then also in other veins, it's just like, no, nah, y'all. Y'all don't get any time. Y'all have to go and like react to this right now. You know? And it's just kind of trying to find that nice balance between the two. And just being like, there's a time where you can plan, and then there's a time for act.
0: Yeah, there was one scene where um, I was investigating some like fade drugs, and like, Ooh. I found it, but I was away from the party. So do mm-hmm. I go all the way back, and then come back later? I was like, no, I'm here already. And then I My end up getting bus, these I, fools. Like, and then when I ended up getting caught, I was like, oh, is this the bathroom? I'm looking for the bathroom. Sorry, they didn't fall flat. Obviously they didn't, but obviously, it was fun. It was really, really fun.
1: <laughs> that sounds awesome.
0: But um Sean, could you elaborate on your creative process for agents of Boo as a whole? So I guess you're outlining, okay, so you, you you you're thinking of this game that you want to run, right? So hmm. then, how did you like outline it how did you choose the people that you want to play with you know creating encounters difficulties maps mm-hmm. so on and so forth like this is definitely a question for me because i'm running my own game right now with some of my Congrats. family members and i'm like just some of it i planned out and some of it mm-hmm. is like they went somewhere they wasn't supposed to because they're mm-hmm. not high enough level and like they're mad at me because they're about to die I was like I, you're not supposed to be here and I'm mm-hmm. trying to get you to go away from it, but you keep going towards it. So mm-hmm. it's like, how do you, like, just just your process on how do you came up with this game and how you're going through it currently.
1: Yeah. So I will definitely say that um, at the very least for the Agents of Boo that we have now episodes um, as regularly as, you know, for this year, um, this is actually... Technically speaking, this is the third attempt that I've gotten Agents of Boo off of the ground. Um, So I guess kind of like getting into the process and I kind of getting into the background, kind of like what I talked about earlier. um, I really wanted to do this because I was very inspired by, you know, like shows like, uh, like The Adventure Zone or like Not Another D&D Podcast, uh, listening or also like watching to Critical Role. And about three years ago, I got really, really sick and I had to go through chemotherapy for it. And I was just like, well, I was unsure of how this, how my health was going to be, you know, in the next coming years. And I was like, well, what do I want to do that's fun? And, you know, I looked to D&D, and, you know, like d d or like TTRPGs in general. That gave me a sense of like purpose and just kind of like something I could do to forget my troubles, for for a bit and i was like you know what i think i'm going to start a podcast and even if it isn't successful you know i just can i can say that i did it and essentially uh i just grabbed a couple of my friends uh in particular my two friend my two best friends uh jared and david they have been with me since college which boy howdy I think that's maybe about nine or ten years now <laughs> uh actually no 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 uh no no I think I am right wow that is a long time maybe about six but um I got them into d d because they didn't really see like what the appeal was and so mm-hmm. I got them and because my buddy Jared is a um an indie wrestler he had some of his wrestling buddies as well and so we ran it for the first time like that it was fine we only made it through one season cuz at that point we were all broke we didn't know what we were doing mm-hmm. uh so we couldn't get schedules aligned we couldn't find any funding and everything and so that just kind of died off second time didn't even get off the ground third time um i essentially just kind of grabbed friends who i thought would be a good fit um i think for me it was making sure that everybody had some sort of cohesion Mm -hmm. and especially because of how how i wanted to emphasize of how modernized but also how still incredibly dangerous that this world is you all are going to need to work together because like none of y'all can run in by yourself and like think that you can like stop a you know a horde of goblins or whatever like no no no, like y'all y'all get stopped. their guns exist in this world (laughs) um and i Honestly, like, I think it just kind of happened as just very lucky happenstance uh, that everybody just gelled very well together. Everybody just like was on the same wavelength. And I'm just very fortunate to have that sort of just happen in in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once I assemble my team, I'm like, all right, cool so what do I want to do for this podcast? I know I want to do Agents of Boo again, um, but, like, my whole creative process was, like, I kind of looked around at all of the other podcasts that I saw, and, you know, not to throw any shade on anybody who works hard for their podcast, I just was really tired of seeing a lot of the, like, traditional medieval fantasies, you yeah, know, like, of castles like and elves and kings, and I'm like, that's cool and all, mm-hmm. but, like, I wanted to do something more. And one of the three love, uh, the three loves or like the three worlds that I fell in love with um, was the Eberron setting for D&D, was the Iron Kingdom setting for Privateer Press. And I think also for, excuse me, also for Pathfinder. And lastly uh, was Shadowrun. Cause Shadowrun is basically magitech and cyberpunk and, and different like cool urban fantasy shit. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I wanted to do something unique with this. So I wanted to do, I wanted to do that. And especially it makes sense considering I'm playing more of that like men in black hellboy aesthetic, because those are supposed to take place in a much more modern, modern time. Um, So I know I wanted to do something unique and I wanted to do something that would kind of help, um, even if it isn't growing now, just kind of help it stand out from the rest, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, to your point about uh, kind of like getting directions and everything and like with uh, you know making sure that people stay on track and like kind of going where where you're going, I saw a Twitter post earlier today that was kind of uh, talking about that as well. And honestly, that has happened many more times than I can count uh, just kind of recording the podcast. But I still think those are still my favorite moments um, because at some point or another, your players, <laughs> what you have planned as a dungeon master or a game master and what you have and what your players have planned are essentially just like night and day, right? Uh-huh. Like the once the players, or you could be surprised, like the players put all of their brain cells, all put the one brain cell to work and they instantly know exactly what to do. And the best thing for that is, you know, just kind of rolling with the punches, especially like if they're in an area where you don't think that they're supposed to be, then you either have, not one say some either barrier of entry, but like, you know, I guess kind of give an example, if they do die, that's not necessarily the end, because that also just brings up these different avenues for, you know, maybe what the campaign might look like. You know, it's um the 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 state of like improv comedy where it's just yes and and I think for just doing that and just kind of being flexible with that um is very, very hard to do, especially because you're like, man, I took three hours to write this section, you know, like I had all of the details correct, and you all looked at it for like 15 minutes and were like, nope we're going to like go get ice cream and go to the library. And it's like, well, fine. Um, so, so, you know, it's just stuff like that. Players are going to be players. Dungeon masters are going to be dungeon masters. It's more about, even if they don't get all of the full information from what you have planned, sometimes it is just best to kind of um, sprinkle it out throughout. So even if they do go somewhere that they're not supposed to, you know, maybe you could give them like a little bit of the story plot here, or hey, maybe even there's like a little bit of extra lore that you can drop there, uh, just to kind of give the players a chance to just go and interact with the world, because that's ultimately what they just really want to do.
0: Yeah, I try to get them to do that, but I think that just, because they own their all of them have almost died at some point Mm -hmm. they're like scared and I'm like Mm -hmm. I didn't do this to you Mm -hmm. either you made this decision or your dice did this Mm -hmm. I didn't do this Mm -hmm. to you
1: and they're so scared that they don't want to do anything anymore yep
0: yeah I think it's just is that part and then learning how to play with each other because they've never Mm -hmm. played with each other before even though we are a family yeah so Maybe another couple of sessions. I'll see what I can what I can do to get them to be more of uh, more of a team. Yeah. But I mean, we're like halfway through the game, so if they don't get it within the next couple of sessions, I don't know. I don't know what to tell them. I guess I'll yeah. just have to kill them all. Um, I mean, yeah,
1: but like that's also the unfortunate thing too, right? Like if is it doesn't matter how many times you as a game master be like, hey, you guys need to figure this shit out. If they don't figure it out, that's not that's really not, they can blame you all, they, all they want, but like, that's really not on you, you know, cause you gave them a chance. You gave them an incentive to do so. So at that point, like that's, that's just, that's out of your hands. Um, You know, like I said, there are just some instances where like parties do have really good cohesion and sometimes they just really don't, you know, it's just kind of the, the nature of the beast. I would say and I guess if it's just kind of like if you would allow me to throw my two cents into the hat. Um, yeah, I would say sometimes it's really good to just kind of have things grow organically um because, you know, over time, they either will essentially kind of get it or they don't, you know? And I think it's a matter of just kind of having more of a eighty percent organic. So you're kind of like watching and observing kind of seeing how this how things go. And then the other 20% is kind of like pointing out what people's strengths are and how you can how you think that you can incorporate uh different characters, you know, like uh different party members and how they can, you know, essentially start working together.
0: Yeah, I, I normally do that with um with my NPCs of trying to get mm. them in there to mix them in there and use them as a resource i feel like a yes. lot of them don't use the environment that they have in the npcs as their resources mm-hmm. in the way and they also try to like get me to tell them how stuff is supposed to be like who they can trust or who is lying mm-hmm. and that's like you have to you have to make the role for it i can't tell you everything yeah. you have to figure it out it's who Like who do we got to trust like, i don't know
1: who do you have to trust
0: exactly i am like they hate that when I shrug my shoulders. Look, like, I don't know. So, Do you yeah. want to go in there and, and into the dark and, and figure out? Because all of them decided to be humans, which is. <laughs> so,
1: they don't
0: have dark vision.
1: Oh, so, the poor bastard.
0: Poor things. <laughs> but so, how has it been creating this podcast, this like uh, RPG podcast, and I guess being just another, maybe. Just being another podcast in the litany of other TTRPG podcasts, you know, Ooh. that's out there now. And yeah. then you got, you know, you got uh, uh, The Adventure Zone and then you have Critical Role. Those are the two that I listen to or watch. Um, so, how, like, how has it been, like, navigating through this whole, like, explosion of D&D shows now?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. I think that's also a question that I really struggle with. A lot just as an independent uh you know as like an independent podcast creator sure you know like I have the strength of my team and you know like they kind of help me motivate you know they they help motivate me and get through a lot of the other stuff but man like I there are some instances where I just have like depressive site depressive spirals about that thinking like well was this a stupid mistake is this just a super oversaturated market is this is this never gonna see the light and then my brain kind of kicks in and you know after I kind of like calm down like go get some water or something I realize that's like you know what we may or may not be at the we may or may not be at the level that is critical role or the adventure zone or dimension 20 or not another dnd podcast or tales from magic tavern or Dungeons and Daddies, not a BDSM podcast, or any of the other, you know, wonderful examples of how of, of essentially just uh, storytelling with dice. But that doesn't mean that we aren't doing something. You know, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that we aren't making any progress. And that also means that we also just don't need to compete. In those sorts of fields, right? Like, Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong, Critical Role is amazing, and they've been doing this for about, I think, about seven years now.
0: Like, seven to eight years,
1: yeah. Yeah. But, like, let's call a spade a spade. Not only do they have, like, all of this amazing breadth of skill behind all of them, they all have been friends for, I think, before Critical Role happened, they were all friends for like a good, couple years because critical role I think started uh or the idea of it started um when Liam O'Brien uh wanted to do a one-shot for his birthday and they all just kind of played beforehand. Mm. Um yeah. but then also like they had enough of a platform to to do so. Once again I don't want to like say that oh they didn't work hard to get where they get where they were and you know I'm just because just, no that's I have absolutely mad respect for for everybody involved especially like for oh shit sorry it's
0: fine.
1: oh i thought i had to sneeze you're good <laughs> and i have a lot of mad respect for everybody on the team but like marisha ray sure was the executive i think it was the executive creator for geek and sundry at the time and even then, I'm pretty sure, Ed don't please do not quote me on this. I know people are gonna get angry at me. Do not quote me on this. This is just under my assumption, but like they sure were friends with like the folks at Geek & Sundry. Sure, mm-hmm. they were still trying to figure out how Critical Role was supposed to, how Critical Role was supposed to come to be and how it was supposed to to look, but they already had a lot of this wonderful stuff that they built under the surface already in play and it just kind of again struck like basically lightning in a bottle um so even at that point it's like you know we don't really need to i would love to be able to meet everybody like that and be able to get into the like high profile dnd cool kids club but you know like there's there's obviously a lot more that i have to learn uh that and obviously there has to just be more growth involved and you know whether or not getting at that level uh is not only comfortable just for myself but everybody else involved because yeah. you know as even though i'm the show runner we are all still a team mm-hmm. and you're making sure that we all still stay a team and just kind of figure out what we all want to do as a team um So that's gonna be a a more roundabout soapboxy way of me just being like, oh, well don't compare yourself to others, Um, which again, sounds very hypocritical because I do that on like a daily basis. That is just, I guess the creator's curse. Um, But sometimes, and especially in this space of of Dungeons and Dragons or TTRPG podcast or just TTRPGs in general, Sometimes the best thing that you can do is just create something. Regardless if it is something that you think is trash, something that nobody listen to. If you just start creating something, eventually there are going to be people who notice. Mm -hmm. Or if you find out, or you find out, hey, this isn't exactly what I wanted to do. Or hey, this is something I wanted to do. Let me keep creating on this more. Sometimes it's okay, or most of the time, it's okay to fail as long as you learn from some, as long as you learn from your failures to grow. And more importantly, sometimes, or excuse me, not sometimes, more often than not, 95% of the time, it is okay to create something for the sake of just creation right and i think that's especially imperative with how how our modern society and how late stage capitalism with everything going on because we are now so focused on you know we have our job but we also got our like hustle you know on the on the on the end you know like we i got to i got to stay on my grind 24/7 and we often just forget that like no nah, sometimes it's just okay to just create something and not gain any semblance of like any monetary value Uh and I think that's also very powerful because again like I I knew I wanted to do something with this podcast but again ultimately this doing this podcast and just coming up with the ideas for all of this this was essentially a tool that I used to help me get through that very dark moment in my life where I didn't know if, uh, one move in the hospital or like one visit to an ER hospital bed later, I'm, I'm gone. And that, and that's it. And more often than not, that's, I think that's a lot of, uh, I think that's something that a lot of people tend to forget. So Sometimes, I mean, it's going to be hard, especially because like being independent and Lord knows, like trying to run all of this stuff and trying to use all of your own money to run all of this stuff. It's hard. It's, it is the hardest, or I can't say it's the hardest thing, but it is, it is so draining. It's so taxing. Yeah. You're waking up sometimes in the middle of the night thinking that like, oh God, this was a mistake you know, you're crying, trying to figure out, like, why isn't this working? You know, you you get upset because, like, all the data that you had for a couple of episodes is gone. And yet, and yet, just like when you hear people giving you feedback on your podcast, Or you see, you know, just surprisingly, some of your views for your podcast go up. There is that real sense of accomplishment. It's almost like a um, a farmer, or like you know, essentially somebody growing their own vegetables. Growing vegetables and making sure plants stay alive sounds easy on paper, but it's very hard work. And you know, some plants can be fickle. But when it comes time to harvest, And when you dig your hands into the soil and finally pick those tomatoes that you were caring for, they are the absolute best tomatoes, bar none, anywhere from the rest of the world. Uh And the reason why is because you put the time in and you chose to care. Even if you didn't know if you were going to be able to sell these amazing, you know, tomatoes, you still put in the time and you still put in the time to care. And that's why it makes everything work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Pretty much with everything. <laughs> yeah. But, um, throughout this whole process, do you, or did you ever get overwhelmed? So like, does it ever become too much as you would oh. say? Well, like sometimes, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and, and it be, you know, the anxiety becomes too much. Maybe like, how do you typically manage your mental well-being? I guess when it, when not even with just the podcast itself, just that's Mm -hmm. one thing, but like with your life in general, you know, you and, you know, you may have a job on the side and then, you know, friends, family, pets, bills, like how Mm. do you manage your mental well being when it does become too much?
1: That is a great question. I don't think that's a question that a lot of people like actually stop and think about and ask. So I want to say first and foremost, thank you, because that is actually a really great question. Uh Um, I guess to kind of follow up uh, before I answer this really awesome question. um, Yes, all of the time, I am in a constant state of screaming, making sure that my podcast and my life doesn't suddenly and magically go up in flames. (laughs) Um, I have never... (laughs) <laughs> it's like I have never feared something as much before as if realizing after playing a really awesome like three-hour session only to realize that the backup recording that we had got damaged somehow and we had to wait a whole month to get it replaced
0: I had my uh hard drive go up on me one time yeah had my recordings on it had my recordings on there so I was like oh I'm I don't have anything anymore. So I have to start all over again. Yeah, that's
1: happening. But I would definitely say, and like I said, I think this kind of goes back to um, what I experienced uh, medically. Uh, I guess to kind of like touch on that a little bit, I don't want to get into full, full details, but Mm -hmm. about three years ago, around the time of September, I noticed I was starting to have really bad back pain. Uh, You know, I went to like physical therapy and everything like that and didn't seem to uh, work. And going through November and like December, it started getting worse. I was getting, uh, it was getting really, really hard for me to move. And, you know, I was feeling this tingly sensation from my chest all the way down to my legs. And I remembered. or excuse me uh january um early jan like the first week of january i was sitting in my bed uh something fell and i reached down to grab it but i fell out of bed and i couldn't feel where my legs were in in space at all so i couldn't i couldn't get up um so we had we went to emergency uh you know urgent k or urgent urgent aid. Uh, I got emergency, uh, x-ray as well as like an emergency MRI or emergency x-ray and a emergency, um, not mammogram, uh, so, uh, the one with the, so- I keep forgetting the name of it, but it's, uh, uh, the procedure that they use the, uh, sonic, uh, but anyway, that'll come to mm-hmm. me later. Um, but the, but as we are waiting for the results in the emergency room, the doctor came back and said, you have a tumor the size of a golf ball squeezing up on the left side of your spinal column. Mm -hmm. And you essentially have two choices. You can either do nothing about it and the uh, tumor continues to grow and you'll become paralyzed from the chest down or we can remove it uh you'll have to get an artificial vertebrae for your um for your back because it ate completely ate through your t5 vertebrae and you'll have to get a titanium cage between your t3 and your t7 uh to keep everything stable and you know i didn't i didn't want to do it um because i was like i knew it was going to take me so much longer to recover and just but I did it and it basically took me about a year to fully be able to functionally walk again. Um, though I guess there are moments where, where I do get like really, really tired. Um, my left leg starts to limp a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for for that, I was always working at that level of anxiety and this was even before we realized that, Oh, Hey, by the way, this thing is a, this thing is this very rare disease that like only kids in like age of 10 get, but uh, you're going to have to need to do chemotherapy about this as well. Um, And I was working so much under the pressure of like, I don't know what the future holds with all of this. I feel sick. I feel tired all the time. I feel so drained dealing with everything. I just want this to stop. And I think the biggest thing for me was that I realized I wasn't okay. But in some respect or another, that was actually okay. Like I didn't need to, to feel as though I needed to put on this air of like, oh yeah, no, I'm doing doing perfectly fine. And I think just having a moment to just intrinsically look within myself for that and just kind of being able to deal with a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And just kind of sometimes you just accept the fact that like, hey, you're just not going to be okay today, but that's that's fine because this is going to be something temporary and you know there i can't say that it's going to magically all disappear but i can say that it gets better it always does it, it definitely does uh um sure the wound might leave a scar but it still heals over time it may not heal in the way that you wanted to or the scar might be bigger than you think but it the wound still heals mhm and I know recently, as of last week, uh, I kind of had one of those depressive spirals uh, that kind of got me into that where I had to take a step back from my social media for uh, for about a week. And, you know, just kind of being depressed in my room, asleep, like the blankets over my head and just bawling my eyes out. Um, I think one of the very interesting techniques that I, I used was I almost put my feelings or like my depressive spiral on trial, if that makes any sense. So it's almost kind of like my brain logically turned that that feeling into like a person. And then I had the other person who was more of like the logical side to pick apart the arguments. Um, and I essentially kind of like took um, took my depression to court. Uh, basically I like it, it sounds very weird and it sounds very strange and I don't know if this is like an actual tactic or whatever but like it not only gave that anxious side of my brain a chance to kind of speak and say its piece but it also gave the other side of my brain a chance to like rebuttal and, de- and fully deconstruct those arguments and obviously you know for like the the <laughs> theater of the mind. I had like the jury of the peers and I had the judge and like the bailiff and everything. It was was a very fun time. Um, But just being able to take a second to acknowledge that is happening, but also just taking a second to just let it speak its piece and then coming in and finding ways to say, okay, no, that isn't right. No, that's factually inconsistent. It has essentially helped out a lot for me because that gives me, that definitely gives it enough time for me to breathe, especially like, again, as I just put it on trial, it, that part of my brain is telling me something, right? Like I I don't, I, it's getting, it's getting this crazy and it's getting this hectic for a reason. Right. Like emotions. Everyone wants to think like emotions are these wild, uncontrollable, eldritch beings that we are all slaves to. But no, emotions are very logical conclusions that your brain kind of gets to. Sure, there are like different ways and like your brain chemicals might have, you know, different transfers, but there is still some logic within this chaos. And I'm just fortunate enough that I'm able I was able to recognize that and be like, OK, well, I know this is here let me take a couple of logical steps backward to see where I can trace and ultimately see where I can figure out where this spiral is coming from. Mm -hmm. And at that point or another, it's like, hey, okay, I understand where this is coming from. I can see like logically where this line gets drawn, but then I also have to remember like, hey, just because that is where those are, that doesn't mean that's the be all end all and it's a hard uphill battle and like i said some di- some days you just kind of have to take a break from everything and just be like got to take a second for myself but i think that is the best way that you can essentially kind of keep yourself strong cuz you don't have to you don't have to stay mentally tough you don't have to tough it out every single day mm-hmm. what you have to do and what is better for you to do is stay consistent, mm-hmm. whether it is staying consistent with what you're doing for your podcast or whatever creative um creative outlook that you are having, or just kind of dealing with your your mental health. You just have to make sure that you stay consistent with it. But also, you have to give yourself some time and show yourself that you care. And yeah. that's told to me a lot of the time, a lot of the biggest in I would suppose, like, the the hardest thing to do. Like, I, ah, it, it took me a very, very long time to learn the lesson of finally loving myself for who I am. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, just allowing yourself, I guess, the grace of, mm-hmm. you know, taking a break and acknowledging those feelings and trying yes. to see where they're coming from. So, yeah, just allowing yourself some grace to even, to even fail even a lot of us don't do that including myself
1: yeah yeah but like I said it's but in the same vein you know can you really blame us for really not wanting to fail Mm -hmm. especially because a lot of the time failure is propped up as this thing that is to be you know ridiculed you know we we've been so ingrained but we've been so ingrained with everything that it's the idea of like, oh, it's the rule of nature. There are two, excuse me, there are two animals in this world. They're the ones that eat and they're the ones that don't. And that is, eh, for the most part, biologically speaking, or survivally, survivally, biologically and by a primitive survival trait, that is true. And unfortunately, because we all live in late-stage capitalism, that just kind of equates, uh, hunting equates into money and all that other stuff. But we have a very rare opportunity as human beings where we are able to just be like, nah, I just I just want to make this thing because it makes me feel good. Uh-huh. And even if it does fail, I can say that I made this thing and it still made me feel good. And again, that's just the biggest thing of like it is okay. To fail, I know people are gonna harp on the like, oh well you you didn't do this right you failed this and so on and so forth but sometimes it is okay and it's probably the better thing for you to do if you do fail because just because you fail this one time that doesn't necessarily mean that that opportunity is closed off to you maybe you might find another maybe if you fail the the door closes but maybe you might find a back door. Maybe you might find a window. Hell, maybe if somebody who saw you fail really liked your gung shin and was like, you know what, kid, I'm gonna open up the door for you. Yeah. And they do. You just, you just never know what life is gonna throw at you, right? Like, especially I didn't know what I was gonna do with life for the longest time. And then life made me, <laughs> and then life basically forced me in, in a bed to be like, hey you got to think about what you're going to do with the rest of your life now. Cause uh, you may or may, it's like, I know the answer, but you may or may not have, you may or may not know what life is going to bring you. You may or not be here, uh, you know, tomorrow, have fun. And I'm just like, shit. And it just took me, (laughs) it took me a long time to formulate that and to be like, no, like, you just have to take the time. You have to be okay with the fear of failure Because, again, if you are diligent and if you care and you just learn how to take care of yourself in this space, it's going to be okay.
0: So my last question for you, Ashawn, is what is your idea of success? So I ask that because as creators, if we're not getting regular paychecks from a full time job or making consistent Mm -hmm. revenue from our art, we're considered failures or we might Mm -hmm. consider ourselves failures like we just talked about. Uh, Many of us will put our dreams and projects on the back burner or give them up altogether because this career path can be highly intimidating and competitive. So Mm -hmm. what is your idea of quote unquote success?
1: I think, well, actually, no, not I think. I know that my idea of success is just getting to a point where you yourself are happy or the very least leading a happy and joyous life doing the things that you want to do and I don't say this like oh like you know being you know being successful means you got to be super super rich because that's not that's not really the case right like at the very least for me I I personally don't wish to be a rich person I mean like it would be nice to be like I can just you know, buy all the things that I want without really any consequence. But like in the same vein, it's like, no, I just, I just want enough where I can be comfortable. And more often than not, I want to be, uh, I want to have enough where I don't have to worry about where my next meal or like my next, uh, you know, the check to pay rent or the utilities is coming And I can have more time to explore these fun philosophical and artistic beliefs. Mm -hmm. Um, And like success, success for me is just doing something that I love as a passion and that no matter what happens, even if I still have a bad day at work, you know, if I'm trying to, to make this and turn this into work, that no matter what, whatever I do for this hobby, it still sparks the same joy and the same uh spark of fear, I should say, or just kind of like the same like uh the same nervousness uh as the first time I did it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that is something that I've been definitely struggling with because I know I would love Again, I would love to be able to meet all of the cool new people in, you know, like the DD cool kids table. You know, I'd love to go off and do wonderful interviews and like see like the cast of Dimension 20 and critical role, but like I'm I'm still broke. <laughs> yeah. I got all of this other shit to deal with. I am still just some just some black queer dude out of you know like the suburbs of downtown you know out of the suburbs of the south suburbs of Chicago you know like that is that's just kind of me at the at the moment but I don't think it's gonna stay that way long there are gonna be moments like I said where I'm just gonna hate doing all this or like it's gonna feel like it's a mistake but that's just all part of the the process and the the design and I even remember I was trying to figure out because I was talking with my therapist about like well you know you have an if you do have an opportunity to like you know if you wanted to uh leave your job and like go go and pursue this would you and I know I wasn't sure so uh I basically like rolled a d I rolled a d20 to to help me figure out you know to to see like all right fate what do you decide for me? And (laughs) I would have loved to tell you that I rolled a natural 20 or I rolled a natural one. But instead, I shit you not, I rolled a 10. Oh, wow. And so the 10 was like... Maybe. Maybe. And I was just like... (sighs) So it's definitely like this balancing act Mm -hmm. to do. But... Again, if you still enjoy what you're doing, even if you aren't making, you know, making a lot of money or maybe even making money that like society thinks uh is enough for you to live, as long as you're still fill- filling your basic human needs and wake up every morning enjoying what you do, that that to me is the true measure of
0: success. Mm-hmm.
1: You don't need to be incredibly rich you don't need to be incredibly influential or you know maybe that is your your term of success i don't know man i'm i am just a i am a humble wombat i'm i'm not a fortune teller or like a psychic or
0: whatever uh-huh. so i can't
1: tell you can't tell you but in a long a very very long window because as you can tell i i do enjoy uh talking and i guess i supposedly love hearing the sound of my own voice um but in a very very roundabout way that is that is the best way that i personally measure success uh-huh.
0: so is there anything else that you wanted to touch on about agents of boo um ttrpg podcast that I may have missed
1: um hmm. so i'm I'm thinking, but also there's this really loud noise outside of my apartment. I don't know what, okay, you know, it's probably a train because it's leaving now. Um, I mean, honestly, the biggest takeaways is not only do we have this, like, homebrewed magitech diesel punk world, um, but also, like, I've used this opportunity to kind of flex my game design muscles, too. Uh, so not only is the world homebrew, but also the system that we use as homebrew. Because uh, like I said, I grew up, uh, well, I didn't originally play D&D until I got into my junior year of high school, because I saw um, one uh, on the Penny Arcade, like the old school Penny Arcade YouTube um, with PAX East, and it was specifically for Acquisitions Incorporated. And I remember I saw it, I fell in love with it. I wanted to learn more about d I had a friend group, uh, super awesome. We used to play d d in the summer, but then I went off to college, made some super amazing friends uh, and like learned how to DM through them. And like one of the uh, friends that I made, she's a super awesome DM and who's basically kind of taught me a lot of the basics of what I know. And, you know, we played Pathfinder. Uh, through that, and for this system, I wanted it to kind of be a combination between the mechanics of Pathfinder and 3.5, mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of have something a little bit more unique, and just to be like, ah, you know, I could, I could do it because I could. Um, but like again, even with Agents of Boo. If you're going to do something like that and you want to do something within the realms of TTRPGs and, you know, possibly fantasy, do what you can to make it unique. If it sounds strange, if it sounds weird, just do it, right? Like, you could have a campaign where you all are just um, conscious plant people, you know, trying to save your planet from, like, the evil... Iron Machine Columbine Harvesters or what have you. Or in another vein, you all could be like, but you all could have like a Secret Lives of Pets thing, but like it's during World War II and you're like dealing with, uh, you know, like you're you're fighting off Hitler and, uh, and like his occult army or whatever. If you have an idea, no matter how dumb or how stupid or how out there it's gonna seem on paper, Try it out because chances are it's going to look a little bit different from when you actually put into practice versus on paper. Mm -hmm. And there are billions of people that exist right now on the third rock from the sun, this little blue and green marble that we call Earth. Somebody's going to listen to you. If it's not going to be now, it'll probably be sometime in the future.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: the fun thing about that is. If somebody listens to that and they, they really dig it. That's also something awesome because that plants another seed of inspiration and it just kind of helps that creativity.
0: Well, uh, that's a great note to end on. This was a really great interview. (laughs) Thank
1: you. Like I said, I've been, I had, like I said, I appreciate the, I appreciate you letting us on and, you know, I've just been kind of thinking about this stuff for a while. Uh so.
0: All right, well, again, I want to thank the showrunner and dungeon master of the Tales of Adventure, Agents of Boo, TTRPG podcast, Ashawn Jackson, AKA Dapper Wombat, for joining us here today. All of Ashawn's social um, will be listed in this episode's details for those who are interested in learning more about the podcast or maybe want to listen to it. When it. Um, is it already out now or is it coming out?
1: Yes, day? it is. You okay. can always find us. Uh, we are on Spotify. We are on Pocket Cast. We are, we are not on Apple Music yet mm-hmm. as of this recording or I guess as of this episode. We are not on here, there yet. Um we're on a good couple of spots so if you just type in agents of boo you'll you'll find us you'll don't don't worry you'll find us and if not hey you can always look us up on our twitter of at agents of boo that is at agents underscore of underscore boo come uh come see how we do Hi <laughs> <right, never>
0: <laughs> well again i'm ks garner and you've been listening to the solo nerd podcast thank you
1: have a good night everyone